We, they were awesome. They worked really hard. They did a, a variety of things. And they're just going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in their lives. Hi, I'm Joy. I'm 13, and I'm entering my 8th grade year. Hi, I'm Jenny, and I'm 12, and I'm entering my 7th grade year. And today, Joy and I will be talking about how Mfuge has brought us closer to God. This winter at YEC, I committed my life to Christ with my friends Joy and Ryan. I thought that life would be easier as a follower of Christ, but soon realized that there were lots of challenges in middle school that just didn't go away. At Mfuge, I learned that all the worries and thoughts that I, can, I had, I could just give to God. I think I speak for all three of us when I say middle school is not the easiest place to share your faith with people. Going to Mfuge showed me that I don't need to be afraid to share God's word and that that he will always be there to guide me through life's challenges and he will give me the words to say when it is the right time. At Mfuge, specifically in worship and church group devotion, I felt that God was right there with me, calling me closer to him. Even though I know he has been there all along, I feel more connected with God than I ever did before. I hope that I will have the courage to share what I experienced with others so they too will also develop a relationship with God. Like Jenny said, middle school is definitely not easy. It's been the hardest few years so far. Growing up without a dad, seeing some of my siblings walk away from God, passing up all the opportunities I had to share my faith. During my first year at YAC, I accepted Christ, and after that, I tried to distance myself from groups of friends who I knew I shouldn't hang out with. For a while, it went okay. But as the year went on, things got harder. In middle school, there's no escape. Everyone goes with the crowd. You feel so alone, so I started hanging out with those friends again. I recently come back from Kentucky from, for a mission fuge. During the time I spent in Kentucky, God has spoken to me in so many ways. For example, Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? In this verse, God has shown me that in school, if I stand up for for my beliefs by sharing my faith and walking away from the sin then god then god will be there with me every step of the way i'm never alone i'm happy to say that after coming back from mfuge i've shared my faith with one of my best friends and she has accepted christ in her into her life thank you parents made me and uh as i got older i started going to all the different camps and just growing closer to god and um starting to really get involved with the youth group and um, these camps we went on were just so powerful. Uh, we just, I mean, the best of them all was definitely huge. Um, we, uh, um, shoot, where am I? Sorry. <laughs> oh, um, after, after my first fuge last summer, I was just a completely different person. Um, it was my first experience with missions work and was just really incredibly humbling. I was put into games and rec, which meant I would be playing with kids from the projects in Charleston, South Carolina. This was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I have no patience, especially for kids. And when I found out I would be playing with them for four or five hours a day in the hot sun for a full week, I was, I was so upset. <laughs> uh, I was just not excited. But by the end of the week, I was absolutely heartbroken to go. Um, these young kids showed me so much and really humbled me by the realization of how much I really have. Um, coming from home from Fuge, I found that I had more patience and much more compassion for the needy. After this trip, I began to help Vanetta organize service projects and would help feed the homeless in Worcester on Saturday nights. Um, the change was just dramatic, and so all the experience and relationships I have developed through youth group are a lot of who I am today. 
Without all the incredible mentoring by the youth leaders, I don't know if I would be at church today or walking with God. So thank you, Ken, Jerry, Josh, Leo, Gina, Vanetta, Missy, and all the other parents and leaders who have been such a great influence on me. Hi, um, I'm Kelsey, and I'm 16 and going to be a senior at Watch You Sit next year. <laughs> I just got back from Mission Fuge in Williamsburg, Kentucky, along with some of the other youth. That week was one of the most eye-opening experiences I've ever had. My track was called Social, and in this group we went through clothes at a homeless shelter and also helped people find stuff that would fit them. We painted the kitchen and some doors there, and we also went to a nursing home. We sang songs, made bracelets, and talked to the elders, and we went to a daycare and played with all the little kids there. Williamsburg, Kentucky isn't the wealthiest town, so being in the town and seeing the way people way some of the people lived was very different than what I was used to. But being able to help them and spread God's love and word to them was one of the best feelings. The biggest thing that was put on my heart was that what we were doing in Williamsburg couldn't just end there. Why does everything stop once camp is over? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think that this verse sums up what I learned while in Kentucky, that as Christians we need to spread God's word in love, but the only way to do this isn't just through our words. In my case, it was through my actions in, help, in helping people who were in need. MFUD showed me that I don't just need to travel to serve other people. I can still be a servant for Christ when I get back to my own home. Well, it's great to see y'all this morning. As y'all know, I was part of a group of students who went down to Williamsburg, Kentucky last week for Mission Fuge. Throughout the week, I fell in love with all sorts of southern customs, such as Bojangles fried chicken and good old-fashioned homemade sweet tea. I adapted the words they say down south, such as Dutton, ain't, and y'all. I had a fantastic time. <laughs> now, as you all know, I'm in fact a northern teenager from Sterling, Massachusetts, and I clearly do not speak in the southern dialect. However, spending a team down south, spending a week down south, had a legitimate impact on me and what I disliked and disliked, such as Bojangles fried chicken and homemade sweet tea. It also affected how I spoke in terms of my accent and my word choice. Constantly being around Southerners or any other group of people, for this matter, that are not like you, will have a profound effect on who you become as a person. <laughs> this is a simple concept, but it still applies when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ. In order to allow God to shine through us for others to see, it is essential for us to spend more time with him. In 1 Timothy 4.13, God commands us to devote ourselves to reading scripture until the day he returns. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.37, God tells us to simply pray without ceasing. So we need to dwell in God's word and speak with God through, speak with God through prayer in order to be more like him. In summation, just as spending just as spending time with people from Kentucky made me act, talk, and think like a true Southern resident, time spent with God will allow others to see Christ in us through the way we live our lives. Hopefully by portraying the love of God to others through our words and actions, we will have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. Thank you all and God bless. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Hannah. I just graduated from Eagle Hill, and I'm off to Gordon College in the fall. 
the rest of my youth have shared about Mission Fuge, but I felt that God was leading to share some of my testimony, so I hope that's okay with you guys. Um, my story is definitely not all butterflies and rainbows, but God doesn't promise us that. He just promises that it'll be worth it. My story really starts the day I was born, February 14th, 1995. The name Hannah was given to me, but not even a few hours later, my dad gave me my first nickname, Squash Baby. <laughs> yes, you heard that right, Squash Baby. See, I was tinted yellow from the jaundice, and on top of that, I had ABO incompatibility, which is just a fancy name for saying I had both my parents' blood inside of me and they were fighting. I was very sick for the first few months of my life. Some doctors think that's from the sickness is where my disabilities form. From a young age, my parents could tell I was not in the same level in school as the other kids. I wasn't coloring in the lines, and my spelling, well, let's just say it was bad. It didn't take me long to pick up on this either, especially when I started getting pulled out of classes and having word banks and such when no one else did. I can remember being six years old, laying in bed, asking God why he had made me stupid. I went to my first crosswalk a few years ago and truly learned what it meant to be a Christ follower. God did not make me stupid. He just wanted to use me to look at situations differently and to broaden his kingdom in a way that someone with learning disabilities would not be able to do. I wish I could tell you this was the end of my child's, but that would be the furthest thing from the truth. Soon after, I spiraled into a deep depression. It felt like such a deep hole that even God couldn't get me out. No one knew my struggles, and I felt that if even God couldn't get me out, there was no one to turn to. On one of those nights that I felt so hopeless, I began to self-harm. Anything you can name that would bring me pain without cutting, I did. You see, cutting was too obvious. It was too risky. One look at my wrist, and my secret would be out. But it got more serious. My thoughts went from self-harm to death, from how to hurt myself to how to take my own life. About a month later, one of my friends that I had been confiding in decided enough was enough and called my parents. This started a long journey in therapy of, and, more importantly, reconnecting with God and relearning how to go to him for help. I would be fine for days, sometimes weeks, and even months, and then something would trigger me and I would relapse. By the time I was... I was what you could call a master at it. I learned how to cut without anyone ever seeing it. But with God's help and the help of my friends and family, I was able to say adios to the devil telling me I needed to cut and stand here in front of you eight months clean from self-harm. You thought the devil was... You thought the devil was done messing with my head? Nah, that guy never sleeps. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, to stay alert, watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Just like the verse says, he soon found my next weakness. My body wasn't covered with marks from my self-harm anymore, but it certainly was still being tortured. Every time in the look, I looked in the mirror, I hated what I saw. I began sucking in when I looked at myself. As the days went on, I sucked in even more. Sure, it hurt. Sure, it was super hard to breathe, but I could see my ribs clearly sticking out, and that was all that mattered to me. As weighing myself increased, my food intake decreased. It became an obsession. I didn't care about the headaches or my fingernails turning yellow or being cold all the time or losing feeling in the top of my fingers or being itchy all the time because my skin was so dry. I didn't even care when I passed out or when I was jolted awake in the middle of the night to be, make more blood sugar because my body had gone into starvation mode to keep me alive. One day, though, God had got, me, got through to me and told me I couldn't keep living like this. I soon told my parents and treatment and therapy began again. 
My relapses have been painful, and I have even tried to make myself sick multiple times. But what God has come to show me is all my struggles have been selfish. My body is how God designed it to be. And if I'm cutting or starving it, I won't be able to do what he has planned for me. He designed each of us how he wanted so that we would fit perfectly into his plan. I don't know about you, but I've decided to step back and let him work on me instead of trying to do it myself. Because from the very beginning, all he has ever had to do, all he has ever tried to do was help. And I've been the one putting up roadblocks, not him. Um, if Missy's here, is Missy not here? Just kidding. We love you, Missy. Um, Ken. <laughs> Tracy Healed. So we all sign these cards. Lynn. Amber. Jerry. Carol. believe in you, you can do it. (laughs) Gina. And Leo. So we wanted to take a second to pray over them. So if anyone has a strong connection, they could come and lay a hand on them if they please. We could all bow our heads. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to share your word in our own ways. We thank you for all these youth leaders who have given up their time and patience with us. Um, Thank you for all the different opportunities we have because of them, all the different trips and everything. Um, We thank you for each one of their special talents that you have given to them. And we thank you for all the love they pour out on us. In Jesus' name, amen.